This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. Inshallah, we'll be reading from verse number 24 of uh, Surah Al-Shura, page number 483 of the Sahih International Translation. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم أم يقولون افترى على الله كذبا فإن يشأ الله يختم على قلبك وينحو الله الباطل ويحق الحق بكلماته إنه عليم بذات الصدور وهو الذي يقبل التوبة عن عباده ويعفو عن السيئات ويعلم ما تفعلون ويستجيب الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات ويزيدهم من فضله والكافرون لهم عذاب شديد ولو بسط الله الرزق لعباده لبغوا في الأرض ولكن ولكن ينزل بقدر ما يشاء إنه بعباده بعباده خبير بصير وهو الذي ينزل الغيث من بعد ما قنطوا وينشر رحمته وهو الولي الحميد ومن آياته خلق السماوات والأرض وما بث فيهما من دابة وهو على جمعهم إذا يشاء قدير وما أصابكم من مصيبة فبما كسبت أيديكم ويعفو عن كثير وما أنتم بمعجزين في الأرض وما لكم من دون الله من ولي ولا نصير ومن آياته الجوار في البحر كالأعلام إن يشأ يسكن الريح فيظللن رواكد على ظهره إن في ذلك لآيات لكل صبار شكور أو يوبقهن بما كسبوا ويعفو عن كثير ويعلم الذين يجادلون في آياتنا ما لهم من محيص فما أوتيتم وَمِمَّا رَزَقْنَاهُمْ يُنْفِقُونَ 
والذين إذا أصابهم البغي هم ينتصرون وجزاء سيئة سيئة مثلها فمن عفا وأصلح فأجره على الله إنه لا يحب الظالمين ولمن انتصر بعد ظلمه فأولئك ما عليهم من سبيل إنما السبيل على الذين يظلمون الناس ويبغون في الأرض بغير الحق أولئك لهم عذاب أليم ولمن صبر وغفر إن ذلك لمن عزم الأمور بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله وحده والصلاة والسلام على من لا نبي بعده وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين We thank Allah سبحانه وتعالى for bestowing upon us this beautiful day and we ask him to send blessings and salutations upon Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, his household, all his companions. May Allah bless them all and bless every single one of us. Ameen. My mothers and sisters, these are verses of Surah Al-Shura, and we've made mention of the fact that Shura refers to the consultation. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this Surah, or in this part of the Qur'an, makes mention of the importance of consultation and perhaps we will get to that later on in this particular session. However, we started at verse number 24 where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is asking a question. Are they saying, and this is referring to the kuffar of Quraysh, the people at the time of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa they used to accuse Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa of magic, of lying, uh, and of so many other things. So Allah says, or do they say he has invented a lie about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? But if Allah willed, he could seal over your heart. And Allah eliminates falsehood and establishes the truth by his words. Indeed, he is knowing of that within the breasts. We spoke about this last week. This was the verse I think that we ended upon. And just to make quick mention of the fact that the truth always prevails. Even though sometimes falsehood is allowed to linger for a while, ultimately the truth will always prevail. Sometimes, if not during our short lifetime, then at least in the akhirah or the hereafter, we will definitely get to see the truth. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us to see it in this world before we actually die. When it comes to matters of belief, the truth is manifest. It's clear for anyone who would like to search. So those who were born into different faiths, they have an obligation to search for the truth, especially at a certain age, the age of puberty when Allah has made you an adult. He's allowed you to see adulthood. It is important for us to begin to ask questions. And you are, even as a Muslim, allowed to ask questions if you don't understand something. You should be asking questions because whatever you do, you should be understanding. And you should be knowing that belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is something that is required of every creature of His. Every human being is does not have an excuse because we've been granted brains that are the most sophisticated and advanced uh, than any other creature or from any other creature of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So... Sometimes also when it comes to falsehood and, and, and the truth, we 
see that the way things are marketed today or the way things are being told sometimes, falsehood is made to look like it is true and the truth is made to look like it is false. But a person who uses their brain and looks deeper into the situation, condition or into the statements and evidences, they will definitely be able to see the light. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, they, the kuffar of Quraysh, are saying that perhaps Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam has invented a lie against Allah. Now for your information to this day, that's what people are saying. People are still saying that the Quran is a lie. Na'udhu billah, may Allah safeguard us. And the prophethood of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam is a fairy tale. It's a lie. Na'udhu billah, may Allah protect us. And they even question the prophethood of Jesus, may peace be upon him, Moses, may peace be upon him, and various other messengers. And some of them say that there was nothing of that nature at all. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes it quite clear. He says, if Allah willed, he could have placed a seal over your hearts. And Allah does place seals over hearts that he wishes to place seals over because of their criminal behavior. This is why when a person really and sincerely is searching for the truth, they will find the truth. But when a person is uh, not interested and they are criminal and they, are, they become uh, bad, very bad people, then perhaps Allah places a seal on their hearts. So they are not bothered about what is right or wrong. And it's only Allah who can remove the seal. May Allah protect us and our offspring and the Ummah of Muhammad sallallahu And may he guide mankind at large towards the truth. Because sometimes the, the truth is glaring a person in his or her face. And he or she does not see that and is not interested, is not bothered. And they continue to follow the path of falsehood. This is because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's decree has overtaken them due to their own actions and deeds. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from bad deeds, bad actions. One might say, well, say for example, if you have a child who just doesn't want to see the light. My brothers or my sisters, my mothers and sisters... Remember one thing, keep on praying, praying, prayer to Allah, ask Allah, give out a charity, please Allah, and keep on asking Him, begging from Him, and ask the person also to beg from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to ask Allah's guidance. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guide us all. Do not underestimate the power of calling out to Allah, simple calling, but to Allah with conviction. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us here that Allah eliminates falsehood and establishes the truth. From a different angle, if we were to look at it, sometimes we have a dispute in this world with someone and we are seemed or we are made out to be those who are evil, yet we are not. And something false was laid against us and people believed it. Well, Allah says he will make sure that the truth comes out. And like I said, when it comes to our own disputes, perhaps it will happen in our lives and sometimes it might not happen in your life. You might die being known as a bad person and in the afterlife you will be a very very good person and the people will be shocked and sometimes a person might die being looked at as the ultimate good person and sometimes perhaps they might be have been such a bad person but because people had uh, looked at them with the wrong eye they didn't realize or they didn't pick it up or they didn't pick up the falsehood and therefore later on in the hereafter people will be shocked again but this time for other reasons. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us to be the best of people. And may He help us in our disputes that we can resolve them and solve them before we actually die because it is far cheaper to solve your matters in this world than to leave it for the next. Uh, you know, we are taught that say for example, uh, you have wronged me. It's better for me to solve it and resolve it whilst I'm alive. 
If I get to the Akhirah, yes, I want justice. But guess what might happen? I will achieve justice and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala might say, okay, this person was wrong and that one was right. But the one who was right was backbiting so much about the other one or engaged in such evil against the other one that now not only does it equate the bad deed, but the one who was right is now even worse than the one who was wrong. Is that what you want? So the best thing to do is sort it out while you're here, while you know. May Allah protect us. I remember I spoke about backbiting and the fact that if someone has wronged you and you are reporting them or warning others about them, it is not considered backbiting. This is clear from the Quran. So if, for example, I have stolen your money and you see someone else coming in my direction, you are allowed to tell them, be careful, this person stole my money. No problem. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala safeguard us. But if it's gossip and something not related to you, related to someone else, and you're just going around talking and spreading tales and so on, that is backbiting. To mention bad of a person in their, in their absence in a way that had they been present, they would have felt bad. That is backbiting. It's worse than adultery. One might ask, why is it worse than adultery? Because adultery is committed uh, and the owner of forgiveness there is solely and only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who is the most forgiving, most merciful. But if you've backbitten, the owner and, and, and uh, you know, the one who's going to forgive you is going to be the person whom you have wronged. And that person is not actually most forgiving, most merciful. So you stand as much smaller chance uh, to sort the matter out. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about how the truth will ultimately be established. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about how uh, falsehood will always vanish. It is meant to be vanished and banished. You know, today on the globe, there are so many things happening that have confused people, confused us as well, where we see people doing things in the name of religion that are far away from the teachings of the faith and from the teachings of the religion. And they claim to be the best of the followers of the same faith. And yet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has clearly instructed us. So those who have a mind and a brain and who would look into the evidences will understand clearly that the, the, the faith is not based on violence and killing and so on and so forth. It is rather based on peace and it is based on uh, propagation with goodness. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us from that goodness. I mean, so verse number 25, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, And it is he who accepts repentance from his servants and pardons misdeeds. And he knows what you do. We spoke about this. I'm speaking about it again. It is Allah who accepts tawbah. You want to ask forgiveness? Ask Allah. He says here, I accept it. When you ask me for forgiveness, I will accept it. Here it is. Allah says, it is he who accepts repentance from his servants and pardons misdeeds. So you've done a misdeed, Allah will pardon that deed. Allah will forgive you, but you have to ask for that forgiveness and you have to change your ways. And he knows what you do. So even if you don't ask for forgiveness, he knows that you did something. So you will not be able to run away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In the next verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, And he answers the supplication of those who have believed and done righteous deeds and increases for them from his bounty. You know what we learn from this verse? That if you want your supplications, your dua, your, the call to Allah to be answered, then you need to believe and do good deeds. That is when you stand, stand a better chance of that particular supplication being answered the way you want it. So when a person believes and they continue doing good deeds, they are on the correct page, 
Then when they ask Allah, Allah immediately responds. But if a person believes, but they do not do good deeds, when they call out to Allah, how do they expect a response from Allah? Allah tells you to read Salah, you don't read Salah. Then you tell Allah, oh Allah, help me with my headache. Headache? What headache? Allahu Akbar. Your headache is the fact that you don't read Salah? May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala safeguard us. May He protect us from our headaches. I mean. So the point being raised is, if you stand a better chance to be responded to by Allah, the way you want it, if you responded to Allah when He called out to you, it's very, very fair, very easy, very simple. But Allah will show us in the next few verses, we will see how He still gives us even though we don't deserve it. And this is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes it clear here. He says, He answers the supplications. He answers the supplications of whom? Of those who believe and do good deeds. And he increases them from his bounty. He gives them even more than they've asked. And do you know this is something unique with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We have got in our lives. Subhanallah. What we have got in our lives. In terms of goodness. Most of it we didn't even ask for it. Have you ever thought of that? We've never asked for it. You know, those of us who've grown up, mashallah, we, we walk, we talk, we use our hands, we breathe, mashallah, we haven't had, you know, major issues here and there and so on. All these things. Do you ever remember asking Allah, Allah, help me to be able to walk? Do you ever remember that? May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us to walk to the right direction. I mean, well, now we've asked. But a lot of the times we haven't asked about that and Allah helps us. So we walk, we talk. <clears throat> We do good deeds, or should I say, we breathe, we look, uh, and so many other things are happening. We have, we are enjoying so much, and we've never asked about it. So Allah says, those who believe and do good deeds, we respond to their supplication. But over and above that, we give them so much from our own bounty, that which they haven't even asked us, and we continue blessing them. So my, my mothers and sisters, count your blessings, because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed you in so many ways. That if you start counting, then only will you realize how Allah loves you and how much He loves you. Subhanallah. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has explained quite clearly that if you would like your dua to be responded, try. Try to develop a link with Allah. Then call out to Him, see what happens. This is why the hadith of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that we've mentioned so many times, he says, Ta'arraf ilallahi fil arifka fi shiddah. Get close to Allah. Get acquainted with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala during times of ease, when nothing was wrong, when everything's flowing smoothly. Get acquainted with Allah. Respond to His call. Become close to Him. And then you will realize that the day you are in need, Allah will come close to you. And Allah will be acquainted with you. Allah will know you. The day you are in a problem. But still, my mothers and sisters, out of the mercy of Allah, you know what He does to us? We forget Him sometimes and you know, we haven't even remembered and so on. So He wants us to remember Him and that is why He puts us into difficulty and issue. And we've spoken about this so many times in the past. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not make us from those who have to wait for something bad to happen to them in life, for them to turn to Allah. May He make us from those who turn to Allah whilst everything is flowing as smoothly as possible. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept it from us and make it easy for us. Amin. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says, but the disbelievers will have a severe punishment. So this is the same verse, verse number 26, 
where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about answering the supplications of those who've believed and done good deeds and so on. Uh, then he says the disbelievers will have a severe punishment. From this we learn that the believers, even if they have not done good deeds, they will be forgiven if they seek Allah's forgiveness. But when a person disbelieves, they are playing with fire. Now I know of people today who say, oh, the Quran is so barbaric because it says the disbelievers will be burnt in hellfire. Well, the Bible says that, the Torah says that, and so many other biblical or so many other scriptures say that. Why don't we pick on all of them? And what we do understand here is, if someone, say for example, you're writing an examination, and someone says, well, those who do not answer one plus one correctly shall be from amongst the failures. You can't say, are you dooming us? You're dooming us. Well, if you, you know the answer, it's there. You learned it. You're supposed to be understanding it. If you answer it wrongly, don't blame us if you fail and if you don't get your certificate or if you're disgraced in front of everyone where everyone sees your results and they say, this person failed. It was your fault. <clears throat> so it's common logic. We have the freedom to believe that those who disbelieve will be punished. And those who don't want to believe that have the freedom to not or not to believe in it. And then when we die, we will see what happens. So we cannot impose just because we, we're trying to be nice to everyone to say, no, uh, don't worry, no matter what you've said about one plus one, we will still give you the certificate. No, if you've answered it wrongly, you will pay for it. For example, if, if we say that a person who steals, a person who steals shall be penalized, okay? You can't say, oh, you're being so cruel. What a cruel law that is. If I steal, why should I be penalized? Well, that's foolish. So if the same would apply if you disbelieve and we say you're, you're going to be penalized, so I can believe that. If you shoot your wife, you'll be jailed for life. Unless you're in South Africa. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us. So it's something that we need to consider. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us goodness. It doesn't mean the law is barbaric. If they've jailed a person for a lifetime because they shot their wives, for example, or they did something bad, they were jailed or whatever they were found guilty of, they had to pay for it. So the same applies. Allah considers subhanahu wa ta'ala disbelief as a crime. A crime against whom? Against your maker, the one who made you. So you have to sit and ponder over the fact that, yes, I was made by someone. You know, I was sitting and studying the bones uh, within the body, the rib cage, the shoulders, the collarbone, everything, how it works. Amazing, amazing. It can never be that there's no God. Someone made us and he says that I made you and I perfected that making. So he, he made a perfect body and he kept it for mankind, you and I. Subhanallah. Take a look at how when you raise your hand and your arm and you, you know, your fingers and how every little connection of the bone. This is just the bone we're talking about. What about the other organs and how they operate? Something unique. Now, if you disbelieve in all of that, then obviously whoever made it, you, you owe them an answer and they will deal with you. So if, if Allah is telling us that the disbelievers will have a severe punishment, then that's up to him. But this verse for me is actually hope for, for the believers. So while some people might look at a verse as a loss of hope, or should I say, uh, you know, sadness or a point of stress or distress, 
We would look at the same verse and extract that which would be full of hope. So if Allah says the disbelievers will have severe punishment, we can say that, Oh Allah, we might have been weak in our actions, but at least we believed, Ya Allah. So do not serve us with that punishment. Subhanallah. And this is why uh, it's, it's, it's very, very good to look at the verses of the Quran and become hopeful of the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In verse number 27, Allah says, And if Allah had extended excessively provision, for his servants, they would have committed tyranny throughout the earth. But he sends it down in an amount which he wills, in portions that are fixed. Indeed, he is of his servants aware and seeing. He knows what's going on and he sees what's going on. So in this verse, Allah says, If I had made everybody on earth rich, they would have been increased in tyranny. They would become tyrants. They would become oppressors. Because if everyone is wealthy, then they would have nothing to do but to fight amongst each other. You know, and this is why we take a look at how it's been beautifully explained where uh, people struggle initially to make ends meet. Once they can make ends meet, uh, when they were struggling to make ends meet, they did not really have the time to engage in the lives of others. But once, say for example, you need $500 a week to live, right? For example, or say a month, okay? You, you struggle and you, you, you suffer until you earn that amount. Once you've earned the amount, mashallah, you still go out to work, but now your working hours might be reduced, so, and you might start earning more. So you earn a thousand so you've got a surplus. Once you have a surplus, what do you do with the surplus? You might be charitable, okay? But now you have the time to go out visiting because you no longer work those many hours. When you go out visiting, what happens? It's another test. You need to watch what you talk about. You know, the cup of tea is one thing, but what you speak about over the cup of tea is another. So this is why it's important for us to realize that when you have more free time, more wealth, the test becomes bigger. You are now tested in different things. Then a person starts earning 10,000. Whoa. Then they buy a vehicle. Then they look at someone else's vehicle and they want a similar vehicle. Then they look at others' vehicles and they want a better vehicle. Then they always want to have a better vehicle and a better phone and a better uh, piece of clothing or better scent, a better house, a better everything. So now it's competition. So in a way, subhanallah, a person is occupied. That may lead them astray or sometimes... It will make them closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala considering the fact that Allah has blessed them so much after they were in difficulty. So some people become closer to Allah and others drift further away. But if every single person was as wealthy as the other, and that's what's being mentioned in this verse, each person would have no more competition, nothing to do. They would become full of sin. One would want to kill the other. They would want to control. So there comes a time when you were working to earn. Now that you've got so much money, it's no longer competing with others because you've got so much that there's no point in competing. Now what's it all about? Control. That's what it is. So beyond the point of wealth comes the point of wanting to control. The urge within those whose belief is flawed to want to control everything or to control everything. So now you're a multi-billionaire. What do you want to do? I want to control the minds of the people. They must love me. How? Well, I can splash what I need to. I must have my own TV stations, my own this station. I must do this and do that and whatever else. And I need to control. If anyone comes in my way, 
eradicate him. Now what happens? That's tyranny. That's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is speaking about. Let's listen to the verse again and now we will understand it better. Allah says, And if Allah had extended excessively provision for his servants, they would have committed tyranny throughout the earth. But he sends it down in amounts, in fixed portions, which he wills. Indeed, he is of his servants, aware and seeing. He knows what you deserve, how much you need. Sometimes he keeps you poor because he knows that it will keep you closer to him and it will keep you struggling in a way that you won't be able to interfere or involve in the lives of others negatively. May Allah make it easy for us at the moment in this country. It's quite difficult to speak about these things because I think the bulk, if not almost everyone is going through a very rough patch and you know that. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala safeguard us. But my mothers and sisters, what is of importance here is that we need to understand when Allah has kept us on a certain level, it's for a reason. If Allah Allah's made you wealthy, it's for a reason. Let it make you closer to Allah. If He's kept you poor, let it make you closer to Allah. If He's kept you a person who, who, you know, hand to mouth, so to speak, you're just about breaking even, Alhamdulillah, thank Him. You can work hard, but don't lose your link with Allah. Because Allah knows, He's watching, He knows your condition, He knows what you need, and He knows whether or not He's going to give you. So from the previous verse, we learned that you must call out to Allah. He will answer. And if you want Him to answer the way you want it, you better believe and do good deeds. Then you know. And it's not that, okay, someone came to me a few days after we told them something of this nature. And they said, but look, I started reading my salah and Allah has not yet replied. He's not yet responded. But my brother, it's only been three days that you're reading salah. You can't just come and say, okay, three days I'm reading salah. We read salah for three years and then see, three Yes, I must wait for three whole years. Are you crazy? Well, I'm not crazy. You, you, you've been living for 30 years and you've never read your salah. Now you're starting to read your salah. The minimum is 10% of that. And obviously the figure is just from me. I'm, I'm just trying to encourage the guy. But subhanAllah, the point being raised is, let's get close to Allah. Let's do good deeds so that the response comes. And this is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us such beautiful pieces of advice and lovely pearls that we can benefit from. Allah says, and it is he who sends down the rain after they had despaired and spreads his mercy. And he is the protector, the praiseworthy. Allah sends down the rain. Rain belongs to Allah. Ask him. Do you know rain is so important in most countries? It actually, in fact, in almost all countries, everywhere in the world. Rain is so important, so important. How much it rains, when it rains, how it rains. Everything connected to rain. If it's too much, problem. Too little, problem. Wrong timing, problem. Allahu Akbar. So it's the mercy of Allah. Make dua that Allah gives precision. Every droplet is sent with an exact GPS location where it should drop. And that's exactly where it drops. GPS location. Allahu Akbar. That's the gift of Allah. May Allah grant us beneficial rain. Ya Allah grant us beneficial rain. This is the rainy season for us in this part of the world. It's just about starting. In fact, it's the first few rains that are meant to come. Uh, Mid-November we get the 
a full swing of the rainy season, inshallah. We hope and pray that we have a bumper harvest. Really, we need it. And we need good rains. If we'd like better rainfall, we need to protect ourselves from adultery, from that which is bad and evil. Protect ourselves from earning the wrath of Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala. So he tells us, he is in control of the rain. That's what he says in verse number 28. It is Allah. It is Allah who sends down the rain after they had despaired. People sometimes give up hope in something. Then Allah sends them the rain to show that it is him. So he holds back the rain so that we can call out to him. When we become sincere, he shows us that, look, wasn't it me? Then he sends it down to us. Allahu Akbar. So some of the reasons why Allah holds back certain things of goodness is for us to become uh, uh, acquainted with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then he gives it to us. You have a health matter. You call out to Allah so much. I know of a person who was told that they're going to have an operation, for example. In fact, they were told they were going to have an operation for a bone that was broken. And what happened is they had some home remedy, something to do with comfrey or whatever else it was. And they had it religiously for a while. And the day of the operations, a few months down or a few weeks down, when this old lady went in for the operation, they tried to look at what was wrong. And they asked her, what were we supposed to operate on? She said, this bone. And they said, no, there's nothing wrong with it. Subhanallah. Now this is a miracle of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It was broken, they needed to repair it. And now when they came to repair it, it was already repaired. By whom? By the one who put it there in the first place. These are miracles, they still happen. But Allah's opportunity that Allah gives us to, to get closer to Him in such circumstances is unique. It's something we must seize, definitely. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us. So Allah says, He is the one who sends down the rain after they had despaired and He spreads His mercy. He is the protector. Allah is the protector, the praiseworthy. You want to praise. This morning I heard a hadith, one of the shaykhs, and I was listening to a little lecture, and he was saying, Subhanallah wa bihamdihi. That, just that, if anyone says it 100 times a day properly, praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, The person's sins are thrown aside, even if they were equivalent to the froth of the oceans. Imagine, by saying what? Subhanallah wa bihamdihi. A hundred times a day. And don't just freak your tasbih, please. Because then you're throwing aside that act of worship. You need to be genuine, sincere. Subhanallah wa bihamdihi. All praise is due to Allah. In fact, glory be to Allah. Praise be to Him. Glory be to Allah. Praise be to Him. Subhanallah wa bihamdihi. Subhanallah wa bihamdihi. Subhanallah wa bihamdihi. Imagine. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept from us the dhikr or the remembrance that we engage in. May He make us from those who understand even the broader meaning of the term dhikr. Ameen. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala here says He is the protector and the praiseworthy. Verse number 29, Allah says, وَمِنْ آيَاتِهِ And of His signs is the creation of the heavens and earth. And what he has dispersed throughout them of creatures. And he, for gathering them when he wills, is competent. Subhanallah. Which means when he wants to gather them all, he will do it. He has the ability and capacity to do that. He created them from nothing. So to resurrect them is far easier. Now this verse, if we take a look at it, 
It's a follow-up of what was being said earlier. Those who believe and do good deeds, their supplication is responded to. So who are the believers? They are those who uh, look into the signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and so on. So what are the signs of Allah? Allah says, well, if you look around you, everywhere there are signs. The heavens, the earth, and all the creatures that are within or between the two, they are all signs for you. If ever any one of you have been to Mauritius or to a place where you can go down snorkeling and look at the marine life, it will wake you up completely. Totally. If you take a look at the small insects that appear in the rainy season, for me, I sometimes think that there are new types of insects that appear every rainy season. Because sometimes we see these, you know, uh, ant-looking creatures and suddenly they, they, they look like these. We've never seen them before. What happened? You know, they used to be flying spiders. They still are flying ants. And now you have all sorts of, you know... Uh, creatures, something looking like grass, exactly like grass, but it's not grass. And it starts moving. And you just look at it and say, but I've never seen this before. What you're supposed to say, subhanallah, not bring the kilim, bring the raid, bring the doom. Before you say that, say subhanallah, appreciate the creation of Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala. You see a spider, whoa. Okay, let's not say what happens when that happens. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala safeguard us from all insects that are harmful, but may He make us from amongst those who understands that these are the signs of Allah. You know when you see a lizard suddenly in your bedroom, the first thing that should happen is, it should increase your conviction in your belief with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Firstly, you can say, La hawla wa la quwwata illa. You can even say, Inna lillahi wa inna But what do we do? I don't even want to say the words we use. Allahu Akbar. And some of us don't use words. We just scream, ah, that's it. Allahu Akbar. And everyone must understand what happened. They run with a fire extinguisher. So my mothers and sisters, Allah is telling us the creatures that we have, everything created, look around you, see how it works. That's a sign that we exist. We are one. We are your maker. Allah, Allah uses the term we. It's a royal we. It's, it's not because there is plural, but it's because number one is respect and number two is it's the, the level upon which Allah is. It's Allah. So Allah, He is drawing our attention to this through His creatures. The fact that He exists. He is the one. The irresistible. Allahu Akbar. So He says, and of his signs in the, is the creation of the heavens and the earth. So think about it. Ponder over it. When Allah says, these are my signs, he expects you to think about it. Ponder over it. Go and see heavens and the earth and the planets and everything else and the other creatures and what, what he has dispersed throughout them of creatures. Take a look, study the creatures. Every single creature, we don't have the time to even mention a little droplet of them. And he's going to gather us. He can, he will. Then verse number 30, Allah says, Whatever strikes you of disaster, it is for what your hands have earned. But he pardons much. He pardons much. Whatever disaster has struck you, disaster. Allah says here, it is for what your hands have earned. But he forgives the bulk. So like we said, and I said earlier that it's going to come in the next few verses, where Allah gives us so much that we don't deserve. He's pardoned us for things that, so much. That's why He keeps on giving us. In one place in the Quran, Allah says, if, if Allah had to punish us because of our bad deeds, uh, immediately uh, we, there would be nothing left in existence. Everything would be destroyed because that's what we deserved. 
the way we operate and carry on. But Allah says, no, He pardons. That's His plan. He forgives. He waits for you to come back to Him. He returns. He forgives. He wipes out. Had He not wiped things out, we were dead. So one might ask, well, everything that happens to me, is it because of what I did? The answer is yes. But now there are some people who think that any disaster that happens on the globe, it's because of the actions of the Muslims. No, it's not. Other people cannot pay because of what we've done. No ways. That's a Christian theory. They make Jesus pay for everybody else. That's, we don't believe in that. We say, you pay for what you did. I pay for what I did. Allah says clearly, وَلَا وَزِرَ No soul shoulders a burden that does not belong to it. No, it's your burden. So you cannot say, those people suffered in a tsunami because of our deeds. And this is sadly on people's tongues. They say that the ummah uh, does deeds and the rest of humanity suffers as a result. The truth is, the ummah suffers because of the ummah's deeds. When we suffer whatever we are, because we are disunited or because we are turned away from Allah, it's because of us. Whatever disaster we have been struck with, it's, because, it's our fault basically. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us goodness. So one might say, what about the tests of Allah? What if I'm a good man? What about disasters that came into the life of Muhammad sallallahu The truth is, those were not disasters. They were tests. So what's the difference? One, you go through it and you are so content and happy. That's a test from Allah. The other is you go through it and you are depressed. That's a disaster. You see the difference? So when you go through a problem, you come out of it and you, you're still the happiest person ever. You love Allah the most ever. You're still as close as you were to Him and even closer. Then that was a test. But if you go through something and it makes you angry and depressed and you're really frustrated and you're fighting and you're grappling and you, you, you really want to hit people and you so, you know, your, your mind has changed and you're far from Allah, that is a disaster. And that's because of something you've done somewhere down the line. Perhaps you missed your salah, perhaps you didn't want to adopt Allah's instruction and so on. So now Allah tested you. In fact, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala inflicted with disaster. May Allah protect us. So this is why he says, this verse actually is drawing our attention to something very important and that is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala pardons much. To me, that's the highlight of this verse. Because Allah says, whatever strikes you of disaster, it is because of what your own hands have earned, but he pardons much. For me, yes, the first part is very important, but the highlight is the last part. Because Allah is showing me his mercy to say, listen, you deserve really to be nailed. But we haven't nailed you. Why? Because we've pardoned much. You keep on enjoying so much. We covered your sins. We protected you. We safeguarded you. Your reputation is intact. Yet you know what you've done. And you know, you know how deep you are swimming or drowning, should I say. But we've still blessed you. That's the highlight of the verse. So some people might look at it and say, oh no. So that means whatever happens to me because of my deeds. Okay, what do you want to concentrate on? I want to concentrate on the latter part of the verse, although it's all important. And I want to say, subhanAllah, Allah is so great that a lot of what He's given me, I don't even deserve. That's what He's saying. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. May Allah safeguard us all. Verse number 31, Allah says, and you will not cause failure to Allah upon the earth. You will not be able to harm Allah on the earth. You will not cause failure to Allah. You, you are people who cannot run away from Allah on the earth. This is what Allah is telling us. And you have none besides Allah as a protector and a helper. Wow, subhanallah. 
Allah is telling us after all, look at the sequence of the verses. After he's just told us that, you know what? Uh, whatever disaster comes in your direction is because of you. Right? But I still forgive a lot. Then he tells us, you cannot run away from me. You cannot harm me. You cannot reach me. Meaning reach me with harm, with anything. And you will never ever be able to escape from me. And guess what? He tells you and I. He says, besides Allah, you have no protector and no helper. It's me and me alone. So it's about time you started worshipping Allah. That's what he's saying. Allahu Akbar. May Allah have mercy on us. What beautiful verses. Look at this reminder how lovely it is where Allah is telling us, I'm just going to read the English again, verse number 31. And you will not cause failure to Allah upon the earth. And you have not besides Allah any protector or helper. Your only hope is Allah. Your only helper and protector is Allah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us and protect us. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about a few of the other signs, inshallah, we'll get there uh, next week if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us the opportunity to do that. And uh, until then, wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabina Muhammad subhanallah wa bihamdi, subhanakallahum wa bihamdi, ka nashadu an la ilaha illa ant, nastawfiruka wa natubu ilayk.